Good morning. Welcome to Washera Community Church. My name is Bob Pegarge. Um, there's a little story behind that, but hit me up with it sometime. I'd like to give an extra welcome to anybody that's new. If you are new, please don't be afraid to talk to someone. Uh, we like to meet new people and find out your, your story if you're just visiting. Um, all right, there's a connect card in the back of the seats. You're supposed to tear it off and drop it in the offering plate so that we can reach out and meet you and talk to you. Parents of kid church attendees, be sure you've stopped at the check-in table to check in your kids this morning. I think that's a little late. So next week, please be diligent in checking your kids in. We don't want to lose anybody. If you're interested in a Liberian's mission trip in 2024, there is a meeting on October 1st in the lower level, which is today in room 112. That's right next to the elevator for anybody that wants to know. Rock Group would like to invite all families for a fun afternoon at Flights Farm on October 8th at noon. If you've never been there, it is a fun time. There's a lot of fun things to see and do. Please see one of the Rock leaders for details and reach out in an email. Um, they did go on a skate trip here this last week, and I was led to believe it was a blast, and they had good time fellowshipping with another church from the community. Look at the online bulletin, because you'll probably forget everything I say, and at least the online is updated weekly for us. Special anniversary. Boy, I should have read this stuff ahead of time. All right. If you are new to WCC in the past six months, Pastor Adam and others would love to meet you on Sunday, October 8th at 11 a.m. in the library. I might have to check my calendar. It is an opportunity to ask questions, hear of our progress forward as a church, and to share a little bit of our story. It is a wonderful story how God has brought this body together. Our main scripture passage. Please stand and read the scripture with me. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Goliath. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Almighty God, I, I pray against sin. I pray against the world and its corruption on our thoughts and our minds. I pray for Jesus Christ to touch our hearts and our souls. And I pray for Pastor Adam this morning as he's bringing us a message that your word will come to us through him. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.
There we go. That's good. Now you can build, pull this one back a little bit, Mike. I'm just keeping you busy. I am so thankful to be back in a, in a I'm, I'm so thankful for what we went through. We went through five months of looking at the different ways that Jesus discipled his disciples because we are to make disciples. So how did Jesus do that? And we took those five months and we walked through these different ways that Jesus made disciples. And so now we're going to go into a book of the Bible again. And I've picked out the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians. You may ask, why did I pick out the book of Galatians? Because I think that any church, any church, this message that is in Galatians is important for us even in our day. And so I hope that we get very, very familiar with this book called Galatians, Galatians. And um, I'll get my clicker ready here. I've titled this, The Man, The Message, and The Manner. The Man, The Message, and The Manner. And what we're going to look at this morning, if you have your Bibles, is Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. 1 through 5. When we start a book of the Bible, I always like to do the A's. I always like to do the A's, the three A's. Who's the author of the Bible? Well, we start reading right in verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle. And then if you jump ahead a little bit and you get to chapter 5, verse 2, it says, mark my words, I, Paul, tell you. And then if you jump ahead to chapter 6, verse 11, it says, see what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. So here we have a letter written to these churches that's by Paul. The second is the audience, that's the second A, and it's the local Galatian churches. If you look at chapter 1, verse 2, the second half of it says, to the churches in Galatia. Now, Galatia is a region of Asia Minor. It's near Turkey, and, and Paul would have traveled across this area a couple times on his missionary journeys, and he, he brought the gospel to them. And he set up, churches were formed in those areas, in those towns. And in the book of Acts, we actually have listed four different towns, at least, that, that are given in that area. One is Lystra, another is Derby, another is uh, Poseidon Antioch, and the other is Iconium. So he's, that's who his audience is, first century Christians in this area of Galatia. And then autographed, autographed. There's always some variance on autographed. You know, they can't pin it down to a specific date most times. And, but most believe it was from either 48 to 52 AD is when this was written. And they kind of base that off of, there was a council in Jerusalem that's recorded in Acts chapter 15. And either this letter came just prior to that or just after that some some believe, but when I look at that date, what goes through my mind always is making it a reference back to Christ, and we know that Christ lived and died and, and, and was buried and raised again in the early 30s, so we're looking at something that was just 15, 16, 17 years after the, the death and resurrection of our Lord kind of thing, so it's really, I mean, what's 15 years? What is 15 years in this day? So, so we have a letter that was written very closely to that. Now, 
the overall outline of Galatians, the overall outline of the whole book, you could look at it this way. Chapter 1 and 2 is about the man. The man, Paul. The man, Paul. He, you, we will learn things in Galatians about Paul that you will not learn anywhere else in the Bible. He, he, it's, it's rare. He, he gives some more information about his life in this book of Galatians. Now, he's specifically doing it because there's kind of a smear campaign going on about Paul, about who he is, what he says, and everything else. And so that, that's why he gives you a little more information about himself in chapters 1 and 2. Chapters 3 and 4, it's the message. It's the message. It's about the gospel. He wants you to know what the true gospel is. The reason he's doing that is because there's a smear campaign going on about the gospel. And there are some who are saying, yeah, the gospel's great, but you, uh, it's, grace is fine, but there's, you, there's something else that you need. And, and in that day, the one that he will bring up in this book is circumcision. So you have Jewish Christians who are saying, yeah, that's fine, Jesus on the cross and everything, but you also need to be crucified, or <laughs> circumcised. Yeah, crucified, yeah. Circumcised. And so there's, a, there's this thing about that there, you're saved, but there's something else you need to do. And this is where Paul just stands up and goes, no. No, it's grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. There is no plus afterwards. It's all Him. And if we, if we add anything to it, we nullify what He did on the cross. So those are chapters 3 and 4. Chapters 5 and 6 then is the manner. The manner, the life. Um, there was a book that was written, How Then Shall We Live? It's like, okay, we understand what the message is now. And because we've been freed, because we've been rescued, how now do we live? How do we live as freed uh, uh, from the law and, 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 and lovers of God. How do we live this out? So that's what chapters 5 and 6 are, the, the manner of life. Now, Martin Luther, he was, a, he was a, a Catholic monk who was one of the great reformers. He said of the book of Galatians, I am wedded to it. I am married to it. And I kind of wonder if he, when he read through the book of Galatians, he saw himself. Because Martin Luther... Um, he was the one who stood up and said, wait a minute, something's wrong here. And he was the one that nailed the 95 theses on the, 90, on, the, on the Wittenberg door. And because he did that, because he stood up, there was a smear campaign against Martin Luther. I mean, they were trying to do anything and everything to stop him. And then the reason that he stood up was because the message of Jesus at that time in the church was lost. It was being lost. It was, it was p being set over here and the traditions of the church were, were what was more important than, than the gospel itself. You are justified by faith alone was his phrase. And, and so he embraced the message that was there. And because he embraced the message that was there, he said this relates to how we live our lives. And the manner of life in that day in the church was not patterned after Christ. And so maybe that's why Martin Luther said, I'm wedded to it. He could see that he was walking through the same thing that Paul was walking through. So let's go to the passage of Scripture, verses 1 and 2. It starts off, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men. 
So not is a negative. Nor by man. That's another negative. But, now when that but word comes in there, that means there's a contrast. That means there's a positive coming. And you remember that from algebra? A negative times a negative is a positive. Is a positive. There we go. And and, and we're going to see that format in Galatians over and over again. Negative, negative, positive. But by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia. Now, when I look at verse 1 and 2, um, I, I put up there, I see our purpose statement of WCC here. Our, our Part of our purpose statement as a church that's in our constitution is that our method is discipleship. Our method is discipleship. If you go down to C, that's what's in our constitution. To prepare believers to follow Christ's command to spread the gospel to the community and to the world. And how do we do that? We do that through discipleship. Uh, go and uh, Make disciples, it says in Matthew 28. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. That means you are living out those commandments so they can observe what you are doing. And lo, I'll be with you even to the ends of the age. Um, that's discipleship. We're walking alongside of one another. And I see this here because Paul is with his, it should be his brothers, and addressing the churches. If you look at Paul's life, he's, he's rarely ever alone. If you look at the end of his epistles, his letters, you'll see names, a list of names. He's always pouring into other people's lives. He's always pulling people along with him and taking them with him. And who's he writing it to? He's addressing these local churches, these local body of believers in this region called Galatia. Why is he doing that? Because the the believers have gathered together to disciple one another, to share with one another, to love one another, to forgive one another, all the one another's that are there. So in those first two verses, I see that our method is discipleship. And I put on the bottom there some letters there, and let me explain those to you. In our church, in a a lot of churches, not just our church, but in a lot of churches, the first place a person comes to know about a body of believers is through their webpage, WP, webpage, webpage. And it's interesting, I'm doing a membership class right now, and almost everybody in that membership class, I say, how did you first come in contact with WCC? And it's through the webpage. And they look at the webpage, they read the webpage, they watch the service on the webpage, and everything else. And so before they ever hit the front door, they go to that webpage. Now here's the river. Most likely the next step is a WS, a worship service. And they come to a worship service, and and like they've read everything on the web page, they've seen maybe pictures of the church and actually maybe even some pictures of people. They've, they've listened to a service or watched a service and everything. So there's a level of comfort coming in here before they ever, even if they don't even know anybody in here, there's a level of comfort because of the information that's given on the web page. So they come to a worship service. Well, the next thing that we would like them to do on this river is to come to a CFM come for more, to hang out at 11 o'clock and break off into these smaller groups with these other believers here in this church and and have some fellowship time together, but spend a little more time around the Word of God together. 
That's what we really would like everybody to be a part of, to, to be able to make that next step and start to get to know the people a little bit better here in this church. And then the final step, though, is really we want them to get to an SG. And an SG is a small group. We realize that the greatest place for discipleship to happen is in that small group. It can happen in uh, it can happen with somewhat with the web page, and it can happen somewhat in the worship service, and it can happen somewhat in the CFM, the Come for More. But really, where you get concentrated discipleship is when you're with other brothers and sisters in Christ that you've gotten to know really well. You're in their home, maybe, and you're sharing some meals together, and you're and you're sharing life together. And when one of them hurts, you're instantly able to step right in and help them or be with them. And so that's the kind of the river of discipleship in our church that we really encourage people to get to that point where they're plugged in with a couple, three or four, five or six other people where they are sharing their lives together so that you can weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn so that you do have that group where you know their names very well. I've heard that many times. I just, I don't know. I can't remember all those names. I don't know all those names. Yeah, that's, yeah, who can? But I tell you, if you get into a small group and you meet on a regular basis with that small group, yeah, you'll get to know a lot about those people. So I see discipleship here. Paul is concerned about it. He's saying it's not just me, it's the brothers. And, And I'm writing it to you as groups of people gathered together in these places in Galatia. So here goes the second one. I also see the purpose statement in verses 3 and 4. It says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Okay, I'll stop right there. I see the purpose statement because our second purpose statement or our second part of that is our message is Jesus. And that's what these two verses are all about. It's all about Jesus. He wants right out of the gate as he starts to pen this letter to say, I need to to tell you about Jesus. I need to tell you about salvation. I need to tell you about where it comes from and how it gets there and everything else. I need to give you this vital information. Our message is Jesus. Our purpose statement, letter A, says to provide a ministry that competently teaches God's word with the result that individuals are introduced into a personal relationship with our good and loving God and thus enable believers to take on a more Christ-like life, a more Christ-like life. Paul wants them to know that salvation is God's plan and it's via Jesus. God's plan is is salvation is God's plan via Jesus. So if you start to look at these as I do, sometimes discipleship, the point was to prepare. Now this one, Jesus, is to provide. Is to provide the information to provide them to know about this one named Jesus. And then we get to verse 5, little verse there. To whom be glory forever and ever, amen. To whom be glory forever and ever, amen. Our motive is love. After he tells you about salvation, he's just like, I got to give him glory. I got to give God glory who gave us his son. I've got to say to him in some way, shape, or form, I love you. 
I adore you. I point to you. You are it forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Our motive is love. And our love for God drives us to love others. So in our purpose statement, in our constitution, it says to allow the Holy Spirit to create an atmosphere where believers can be drawn together into a strong and supportive spiritual family. And what's at the core of that strong spiritual family, supportive spiritual family? It's love. We got to have this tremendous love for one another. So even in this just this little intro of this letter, I see our purpose statement that we are to disciple one another, to prepare, to, tr- to train, to equip. I see that we are to speak Jesus to one another, that we are to provide that, to tell others, to evangelize, we say. I also see that our motive is love. Our motive is love to allow for us to touch each other's lives, to also envelop one another. So uh, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about that overall uh, of Galatians and then these verses. In chapter 1 and 2, we talk about the man. Well, in verses 1 and 2, we're focused on Paul, the man, and his discipleship of not only the brothers, but also the churches. In chapters 3 and 4, we're going to talk about the message. And in verses 3 and 4 here, what are we talking about? We're talking about the message of Jesus Christ. And then in chapters 5 and 6, we'll focus on the manner of life, how we should live. And if we go to verse 5, it's saying, this is how we live. We give Him all the glory. We give Him all the praise because of who He is. So in this little intro, He gives a, a, like a microcosm of the whole rest of the book of what we're going to go through. But I want to go back to Verses 3 and 4, because this is the centerpiece. And I put down this uh, question, where and how does the grace and peace come from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ? And I want us to go back to this and look at what is God's contribution. It says grace and peace to you from God. So where is the grace and the peace coming from? God. So he's contributing that. He's, he, that's what he's putting out there. Grace, God's grace is unmerited favor. It's, it's what you don't deserve. And he's giving it to you. And peace, God's peace, peace is national tranquility. It means, you know, between two entities and there's peace between them. But the two entemy, entem, entemies, <laughs> I can't say that, is, is man and God. And God makes a way that there is peace between these two. So those are two things that come from him. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself. There's another contribution. What did he do? He gave his son. And how did he gave himself? That means he willingly gave himself. He stepped forward. He was the one that came here. We didn't call for him to come here. He came on his own, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. There's another contribution. He contributes a way to be rescued from this evil, present evil world. Just 
think back to Noah and the ark. What did he do? He provided an ark as, 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 as their salvation from the present evil world that was there at that time. He provides a way of salvation for us in this present evil world to rescue us from that present evil world. And then it says, according to the will of our God and Father. Now, notice whose will it is. Is it our will? No. It's according to His will. The contribution is also coming from Him there that the plan is not our plan. The plan is His plan. So if I kind of string those together, if I string those together, we've got He's providing grace and peace. He's providing himself, he's providing a rescue, and he's providing the plan. And then you get to the next one, what's our contribution? If you go back through it again, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins. What's our contribution? Sins. That's, that's what we bring to the table. That's the only thing we bring to the table is our sins. We are sinners in need of a Savior to be rescued from this present world. Sometimes we might make our position or our, our part of this bigger than it should be, but we need to be reminded that all we bring to the table is our sins. That's all we bring. And we need a Savior. And how should we... How should Uh, what should be our response? Our response should be the same that Paul gives here in verse 5, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. When we realize that we are sinners in need of the Savior and that God gave His Son and His Son came to rescue us from this present world and it was His plan and His will to do so, we should give Him glory. We should turn and, and... Instead of going our way, follow after Him. That's repentance. We should believe on Him. We should put all of our hope on Him. We should submit to Him. We should obey Him. We should cherish what He has written to us. We should in any way, shape, or form show Him the glory that He deserves. That should be our response. When we realize that all we've brought to the table is that we are sinners. But He has brought so much more so that we could have salvation. You know sometimes how my mind uh, goes to song. And so when I read that last verse, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen, I couldn't help but think of song. So all glory be to Christ my King. All glory be to Christ. We sing that one, don't we? Another one that came to my name. A glory to His name, glory to His name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to His name. Then another one. All glory, Lord, and honor to the Redeemer King, to whom the lips of children would sweet hosannas ring. And then the last one that came to my mind was I think maybe really highly influenced by these two verses here, verses 3 and 4 and 5. I think highly influenced by this, that goes, 
To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life an atonement for sin, and opened the life gates that all may go in. Then the chorus goes, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he hath done. So this morning has just been an appetizer for this book that we're going to go through called Galatians. And right from the beginning that we would realize how important the salvation that has been provided for us is right at the forefront of this letter. And may it be the forefront of our message as we disciple one another as a local body of believers and as we have a greater praying for a greater love for one another that, that the message of Jesus Christ, the salvation that comes from Him, the only contribution we bring is that we are sinners but we have been saved by this one who has come from this evil present age. And therefore, you hear us, you hear us say and respond, glory, glory to him. So would you stand with me? Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give Him the glory, great things He has done. Let's pray, and then we'll sing our final song. So, Heavenly Father, thank You for the start of this book. Thank You, Lord, for the book of Galatians. Thank you for Paul uh, putting down these words. And as we walk through each one of these verses, each one of these chapters, each one of these verses, Lord, may we, may we hear his heart uh, written to the churches of that time. But also, Lord, may we see how important it is for us to know these words in our time. Lord, we can kind of relate even now that... Uh, the Christian name uh, in our world is kind of being smeared at times. Certain circles, things that uh, it's not looked on so, so kindly. And Lord, in our world, we, we need to make sure that we are giving the true gospel message. That it is by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. And so Lord, maybe we need to be realigned back to that. And then lastly, Lord, that we would respond appropriately to you. That we would be a people who would lift our voices in praise to say all glory be to Christ. That it's all because of you. We brought, nothing, we brought our sin to the table. But you give us eternal life. And so, Lord, we should be eternally praising you with our lips and with our lives. 
So Lord, help us as a body of believers as we walk through this book called Galatians. In thy precious name, amen. Amen. Let's sing this final song. How many of us can say that Jesus has saved us from ourselves? I have to remember that daily, and I always look back on the day that I accepted Jesus in my heart. There's, the world is our, our enemy. Satan controls so much of it. So please, get into a small group. Come for more class. Get to know one of us. If anybody needs to talk to an elder again, I say reach out to one of us. Our small, our come for more class has three Kathys and a Kate. I could use a couple more names in that group. So just have a blessed week and think of these words on the songs. In Jesus Christ's name, go in peace.